Hello and welcome to The Huddle, brought to you by Wilson, the official ball of the NBL. And today, I'm joined by Vic Law from the Brisbane Bullets, uh, the superstar import, one of the best players in the league for mine. And uh, he's a talented guy. Um, he's, he's cooking ribs and, and doing the podcast at the same time. He's, he's a podcaster himself. 94 and more is his show. Check it out. Um, and uh, it was a good chat. We talked about all kinds of things. His experiences in the NBA, coming to the NBL, that transition, um, the difference in spacing between the two leagues, how he's being defended, which is different from team to team right now, and how he goes about making those reads. Uh, we talked about different players on his team, Jason Kedi, Nathan Sobey playing at an MVP level, Orlando Johnson leaving, Lamar Patterson being brought in. We talked about um, different teams and players from around the league and his impressions of the competition. So it's a wide-ranging conversation. You'll enjoy it. Sit back, relax. Up next, Vic Law. All right, Vic Law is in the house, mate. Uh, thanks so much for jumping on for a chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. What, how are you feeling? You, uh, you only just got over the line into the game the other night. <laughs> Actually, it was holding that one in for you. I, was, uh, I feel all right. Uh, I'm still getting back to, to normal, I guess. Um, practice this week has been better. But yeah, that, that game was uh, definitely a game time decision. Right. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to be able to play. Uh, I knew a lot of our guys also had a bug. So who am I to, to be the one guy to sit out? Right. So I said, let me just gut it out and get out there with my guys. Right. So like a flu type thing, a gastro, what was... I don't even know. Maybe the flu. <laughs> Thought I had COVID. Had okay. to get tested and got negative. Um, just I felt really, really weak. Uh, didn't have any like strength. Like I had my, my heat on in my apartment as mm -hmm. high as it could go. And I was freezing, you know, freezing everywhere I went. So I just was bundled up. Um, and just, I don't know, I just felt like awful, just really drained um, and just had the works, man. Everything that, every symptom you could have been sick, I had it. Right. And and you weren't alone, as I understand. Um, Andre was talking at <laughs> the post game about only having, well, having five guys at, at practice the day before. Was that, when with all things considered, that, that win over New Zealand, I mean, you got it pretty comfortably in the end, but was that a, was that, a, a gutsy win is that how you'd characterize it for, the, for that squad under all those circumstances? Uh, sure i mean uh good teams find ways to win right like it's not always going to be pretty um so yeah like how you describe it a gutsy win um new zealand definitely has the pieces to be a very good team and i think they're they're still finding the way to click but they have very good players um so it's not like you can just come in and kind of walk through the game mm -hmm. so we had to be prepared and you know we were kind of struggling to game plan all week because we only had uh you know four or five guys out there available but uh, i'm happy to get like you know uh we came out and, and handled business you know haji played well harry uh came out and did his thing so uh really happy for the guys that uh you know that, that stepped up how are you um how are you feeling in brisbane you know like the life of a of a traveling pro athlete you can land mm -hmm. in different places you don't know what it's going to be how are you feeling about the city the team the fans the, the setup you've got there i like brisbane a lot i um it's actually funny because when i when i first was coming here 
people were calling it Briz Vegas. <laughs> so I was thinking like, oh, it, you know, they were saying like, like, what is it like? Um, and they, you know, it's like, it's like Briz Vegas. And I was like, oh, okay. So is it Vegas? And uh, as I got here quickly, I realized it is not, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's still a cool town. Like it's a, it's a big, big city that, that, that almost seems like it's asleep half the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the nights that it's alive, I, I really like you know do like it. I enjoy the laid back nature of Brisbane uh, and the, the beautiful landscape. Like I don't know, like it's definitely a place uh, when I describe it to my uh, friends back home that it's almost somewhere you just have to see to kind of experience for yourself. You know, always sunny, really beautiful, um, and, a, and just a great city. I love it. I feel like it's it's a fun name and it rolls off the tongue, Bris Vegas, but it it's only ever said by people who have never been to Las Vegas. True, yeah. <laughs> because I'm you've been to both. Yeah, yeah, a couple a few trips, a few trips to um to the Summer League. Yeah. Um not last year obviously, that uh, that didn't happen, but speaking of the Summer League, the NBA, the NBL, how how have you found that transition coming straight out of the bubble and the and the G League playing that kind of style of game to what what this league is, what how Dre plays, how are you finding that transition? Um, obviously, it's it's hard to describe, right? Like, I would say scoring in the NBA probably is a little bit easier, mm. right? Just because there's a defensive three seconds, you can't help. You're playing every other night, so like you're not game like we don't we play New Zealand Saturday and we don't play them again until Saturday. So surely you have to think we're not doing anything other than game planning right. for New Zealand, right? Like, so we're going to, we're going to, we should know their tendencies. We should know some of the plays and regardless of if we know that or not, like, you know, New Zealand's still going to run their stuff because you can't game plan. Like, you know, we, we don't have Ty Webster or Finn Delaney or Tom Abercrombie to like mimic and practice. Right. But we do scout and do all that stuff. But in the NBA, like you're playing every night, so you, the, the scout factor really, like, you kind of just have to play. They give you short snippets of teams. Um, the, the, the court is so open. Like, you know, you're just kind of playing, uh, I want to say more free, but, you know, NBA ball is much more isolation basketball. Mm-hmm. So it's a much more offensive-driven game just with the fouls and everything in America. When you come here, you know, every team has a seven-footer, like, like a true big teams are doubling. Uh, the paint's clogged, and you really have to to figure out ways to scheme around defenses, right? And you have to play smart and be a clever basketball player in, in the ways you try to to find out how you can score. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think both leagues, respectively, obviously deserve deserve their praise. Um, but I think the NBL like just puts a, a huge emphasis on physicality, um, intelligence of basketball, and and team the team aspect of it. Right. I feel like I'm seeing a lot of what you're just talking about there in a guy, in a guy like Ding Adele right mm-hmm. now in Illawarra. You know, there's right. a lot of – he's been out of sight and out of mind for a lot of people in Australia for a number of years, mm-hmm. right, playing in Louisville right. and the G League and a little taste of the NBA. And um, I got to watch him a couple of times at the Summer League, putting right. up huge numbers, balling out. He's coming yeah. here and he's finding it a bit of a struggle. And people are like, yeah. oh, he, he's actually – he's overhyped. He's not that good. And I'm saying right. – this guy's actually a really talented basketball player, yeah. but this game and this league and the setup of the floor and the rules don't really fit him as well. Yeah, like in, yeah. in the G League, the wider lane, the, mm-hmm. the wider arc, the defense is yeah. way more spread. And yeah. 
his game just kind of like fits the flow of that style a little bit. And I feel like he's finding that transition quite difficult, just how compact it is here and the the lack of room to move. Oh, give me one second. I gotta gotta take my ribs out. Sorry. (laughs) Man's man's doing doing some cooking. (laughs) Sorry, mate. No, no, you gotta you gotta do it. Gotta make is lunch it, after this practice. Is this a slow cook or a fast cook? Oh, I got the, the pork ribs in the air fryer. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm getting it all, all figured out right now. Um sorry. No, no, but, um, all good. All good. Here we go. Uh but yeah, uh, speaking of Dang and, and Illawarra, uh yeah, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. Like Dang Adele is definitely a talented basketball player who's uh um, who's fortunate in, you know, in this league, right? Like, so the first thing I'll say about Dang is he's like a, the perfect body prototype for like a big wing, right? Like, you know, really athletic, long, versatile, can guard most positions. And usually in the NBL, what I've noticed is you see like guys like our size, they move them to the four. Yes. And you try to play as like, like two wings, two guards and a traditional big. Um, but with LOR, because you have, you know, Ogilvy, you have Frawlin playing so well, you have Bear style. It allows Dang to kind of shift and play that that bigger three spot so you have a bigger lineup. But, yeah, just like you're saying, like, the, the, the floor is just so much more compact. Mm. And even in their offense, like, you know, they, they obviously have, you know, really good guys on the wings and Harvey and Jessup. And you've got to think, like, apart from that high ball screen, that action that they run to the pin downs or Jessup, when when uh, Dang finally does kind of get it and wants to operate, when you play with with Frawling and Ogilvy out there together, you can almost kind of help off a little bit more, right? Like obviously you have to put respect on on Harvey and Jessup, and make sure you get those shooters off the line. But as far as the other two guys, like take nothing away from them. they're very good players, but they're not like dead eye shooters, right? Like they're not right. the type you have to hug, especially the way this league plays. Like no one hugs anyone. Right. So you don't have to hug them and deny them out on the perimeter. So Dang's game, you know, being a slasher and just being a an all around threat, attacking the rim and, and kind of making plays, it's it's not limited, but it's, it's some of it's taken away just because of the lack of space on the floor. Mm. You know, you're not going to be able to knife through and do all all of this because more times than not, unless you're beating one and two guys, if you miss once, you got to go back to you know like the bread and butter. Like you got to go back to what was working, right? And I think it's been hard, uh, especially for him. He was hurt, just trying to get a rhythm um, with everything. Uh, but I, I'm excited. Like, I, I think he'll have a, a, a ton of – I mean, it's still early in the year, right? Like, I think he'll have a ton more to show, and, and the doubters will definitely have to eat their words coming down the stretch of the season. I think that that issue of space is something that I think is fully appreciated by guys on the floor and perhaps mm-hmm. less so by people in the stands a lot of the time because yeah. – you know, like I've been, I was writing about it just before about uh, the Taipans and Cam Oliver mm-hmm. and and the space that doesn't exist in their lane <laughs> yeah. right now yeah. for him to roll into that was there mm-hmm. last year. And when I've watched um, uh, NBL teams play NBA teams in preseason, it mm-hmm. that was the thing I think, apart from the length and athleticism of the guys on the mm-hmm. floor, you know, when NBL yeah. players go up against Rudy Gobert, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's just a whole different thing but, but the space that they have to deal with mm-hmm. with how spread the arc is yeah. I, I've seen players there like Adelaide goes to play Utah and these guys like 
they're in their help position in the you know next to or in the lane yeah. and then the ball kicks to the corner and it is so far there's no yeah there's oh, no way you can get you and i try to tell there. my teammates there's no way like the way it's so interesting the way that we play in the nbl is so far different from the nba because you almost you can help right like you can kind of one way help like you can be in a help spot but as soon as the guy drives out you almost have to leave cuz you got to think like in the when you're playing a team like the jazz when you have they shoot a ton of threes. You got Conley, Ingles, mm, mm. Mitchell, Bogdanovich. Like, you, you can't just let them stand there and shoot, right? Like, and if you're in a, a help position and you're almost in a, you're like plugging the ball, by the time the ball is kicked, there's no way with how good and how fast guys shoot that you're going to be able to close back out and get there. And then if you do, you know, it's an easy rip or you're like, you're always going to be in some kind of rotation. So it's hard for, you know, and, that, and that's why just to a point where I think, Isolation basketball and NBL kind of doesn't work as much. Right. Just because everyone's plugging, everyone's sitting there hoping. So you kind of got to move off the ball. You got you to gotta figure out ways and less dribbles and less space to, to kind of get that shot off and score and be effective. Right. Which is really interesting when it comes to you because mm-hmm. you play in the three in the NBA. You come here, they put you in the four spot. And I feel like the start of the season – you just kind of naturally tended to find your spots mm-hmm. in isolation in the block, yeah. Which, which to me, watching me, you obviously would you can score down there. You got all kinds of moves, great touch. But it looks to me like you're even more comfortable facing up, yeah. And and but yet, and then now teams double you in the block. Adelaide started doing that at your place yeah. that game, and it was. I mean, how how about that shit? How about Adelaide <laughs> just killing? <laughs> Adelaide just ruined my on whole, the catch the whole flow yeah and the, and, I, and we knew it, like at some point a team like wasn't just gonna let me play one on one with the guy down there right but yeah they they were just selling out they just said look you're not and it's funny because you know obviously I know Isaac so I'm talking to Isaac the whole game like are you guys are really gonna double every time I touch you <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's funny talking to him but yeah like it's every game has, has been some kind of adjustment teams have made. Right. Like an Adelaide has been the most like colorful, let's, let's use that word to, yeah. Like they, they put DJ on, Oh, the last, and when we played them in the cup and that yes. Crocker's on me and every time it's on ball, they switch and then they double right away off the switch. Right. And so, you know, you got to find like, like, and that's what I mean. Like in the NBA, they're not doing that. Like, you know, they're, you're guarded by whoever's guarding you. That's your guy. Just better guard you. Yeah. You know, you get trying to got to, you, that's your matchup, you know, right. like you figure out like the game plan if you're in ice on the sides or whatever and you rotate maybe, but like that's your guy, like you're got him and you know his tendencies, like that's how you rotate out. And here, you know, you just kind of got to figure it out. Like you got to like kind of get the ins and outs of like, okay, the switching here, maybe I slip this one. Right. Maybe I don't go to the block. Maybe I kind of try to set an up screen or I screen off the ball to the guy who won't switch and then I can screen or then I can, you know, face up or do stuff. But, you know, it's been interesting, like, playing, and it's definitely been a challenge for me every game trying to figure out something new. But, yeah, like you said, I'm, I mean, <laughs> I'm not technically a post-up player, but if, if that's how they want to use me, man, I, you know, I have no problem. Like, I told Dre when he wanted me to get over here and say, you know, we need a four. Hey, man, there's only two positions. You're either on the court or on the bench. So you use <laughs> me how you want to use me, and I'll figure it out. So what, what do you read then in the first few possession, offensive possessions of games to get a, get a feel for how they're going to guard you? Uh, well, it, it just depends on like what our first play is, right? Like, well, let's say like you, guys, some... you guys go to that wide play. 
You're right. basically wide and the down screen comes for you on the weak side and you're coming off that. What are you reading in that, that situation early in the game? So um, am I setting it or I'm getting the screen? You're getting the screen. So usually, it was interesting last game, uh, New Zealand put a uh, Bach on me. Mm-hmm. And I, I assumed it would be Abercrombie or Delaney, which is what it was later. But to start, I think we threw them off mm. when we went big. And they put uh, Abercrombie but, on Sobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, you know, so they kind of like mixed it up. Because um, that's what they did the first game when we played New Zealand in the cup. Abercrombie on Sobe, Delaney on me. And any Sobe low ball screen automatically switched, like hard switch. Right. And that, that kind of took off like, it didn't take away from our offense, but it slowed the rhythm down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, every offense has a pace and rhythm about it. Um, but with me at the three, early on, like the first play, if I'm coming off that pin down, what you first want to look at is, is he going to shoot the gap or is he going to lock and trail them, mm-hmm. right? And I think I got that play a couple times. And the first the first thing he did was shoot it early. So I popped back. And, and so you, you kind of learn early, like they're okay with me shooting this shot, right? Like I'm not – shooting lights out yet at any moment. So teams, I, I can only imagine teams are all right with like, if Law is going to take eight threes, like let's see if he makes a couple before we like guard him out there, right? So obviously smaller defender, he's going to shoot the guy and go under and meet me on the other side. So you pop back. And then if I post, right, and I get it, and you can like, and, you know, every team is, you know, every team does it differently, but New Zealand was doing it on the first bounce. And you can see the guy off the feeder. A lot of times it was Delaney or, um, Abercrombie, mm. kind of sitting in that dig spot. They weren't really digging, but they were halfway from their man. Waiting for you. As soon as you, yeah, yeah, as soon as you take that one dribble, they're hard coming. And then you have the guy at the top rotating to the passer. And then you kind of got to play out of rotations like that. Um, so that, that was something completely new to me from this year, right? Like last year in the G League and the NBA, I wasn't really posting a ton. Right. Like I would post if I had a mismatch. But even still, like teams weren't doubling. Right. So I had to learn kind of like that, those rotations. Like I knew – you know, the passer usually would be open. If they're going to double from the passer, you give it right back. But now as teams are starting to rotate and do different, like, schemes, you kind of got to watch film and just understand, like, maybe it's the dive guy. Maybe the big is open on the quick, like, look. Or maybe you get it and you just go quick before the double can even come. Yeah. But you know? so are you happy to just kind of invite that double? Because you guys have so much shooting. You yeah. know, it's Drimic and it's Kadi and it's Sobi and – uh, Krebs right around yeah. that perimeter. Even Harry can step out and yeah. knock that down. So he, are there times where you're like, you know what? Let me let me set the down screen mm-hmm. on that weak side. I'll I'll post, bring the I'll put it on the floor, bring the double, and let's just play out of rotations. Yeah. And you know it's funny, <laughs> funny that you say that. You know, people you know people love talking about the game and tweeting at me, and and there's so many articles like. Ah, uh, Law didn't score this game, and you know he shot bad this game. But at the same time, like if we're winning, and they're gonna double, like, and that's like the, what they're gonna do, right? Then it, does, it doesn't really matter, you know. Like if they're gonna if they're gonna just take the ball on my hands, but give up open threes on you know on the back end of it, yeah. that's fine. You know, then then it's not on me anymore. Then it's just on right your team just to make shots. And like you said, we have a strength of ours is the offensive firepower that we can put on the floor at one time, right? And I don't think – I think we have lineups where there's not a time where you could just say, like, this guy's not going to shoot, right? Because we have so much talent that is – if you're giving up one thing, you're just opening the door for something else. And I think right now we're clicking. We're playing at an amazing pace. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what teams are going to do to try and stop yeah. it because 
you know, like I said, when you got Jermic, Kadi, Sobey's playing out of his mind. Mm. Haji's playing great down there. Are you going to double Haji too? I mean, because that's even another, like, so if we throw it to Haji, are you going to double him and then, like, let the four guards on perimeter play well, in rotation? I think, I think a lot of coaches, we haven't seen this from Haji before. Like, you mm-hmm. come in this season and you're like, well, Haji's a, like a post guy. He's, we can yeah. roll it into him and he can get his buckets. He's never yeah. been that guy. Mm-hmm. And so this is, I think a lot of coaches are, you know what you're saying about you proving it to them from the perimeter? They're yeah. doing that with Haji in the block. <laughs> in a post, yeah. Yeah, because they just haven't seen it to this point. And I think what you talk about, about how you're being defended, Jock Landau's dealing with the same thing yeah. in Melbourne. It's a, oftentimes that's a double on the catch and he's like, well, yeah. fine, we're, they're in rotations, I'll get everyone else right. involved. And then later in games, as things free up and things open up, yeah. and they, 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 wrote, they adjust out of that, he's, now get, he's then getting his... Yeah. Spots. But you know what's what's interesting with that too is though, <laughs> you especially like especially like use the example of Lando, you have to make like I feel like with him and even like because I'm in this situation where you get doubled, mm. you have to continuously stay involved in the game, right? Whether that's you're shooting, rebounding, or doing something because there's gonna be a point in the game where you're gonna need like the, I like it's just gonna open up like they're not gonna double anymore. It might be mm-hmm. close, and they might not want to give up that three. But you have to be able to stay mentally and physically engaged to the point like where, all right, when you get it and they don't double, you're like, all right, now, now here, here we go. Like I haven't shot in two quarters, but here we're like, now I have my opportunity, right? And you might not get your normal 15 looks, but you still have to be effective and efficient in the seven to six you might get now. Hmm. How are you enjoying working with, with Dre? I feel like you're cerebral approach to the game would align quite well with him and who he is. Yeah. I, uh, I enjoy Dre. I, uh, he's, uh, definitely a different coach than I've had before. Like I've, I've only had not, not crazy coaches, but I've only had like very like disciplined, like strict regimented coaches. And, Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's a very like open, open collaboration. Like let's talk, but let's get this figured out. You know, uh, genius with the X's nose, uh, just carefree guy. Like, and I, I can really appreciate how much time he spends with the game and how much like he cares for his players, right? Like, he, I feel like he really puts time, uh, to the time and effort into each one of his guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've enjoyed playing with Dre. Like, I think he's got a great basketball mind. Obviously, he was the, the Boomers coach for for that long time, mm. uh, and you know, he 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 makes it work, right? Like. Coming into the season, uh, I saw that the Bullets weren't really expected to be that great offensively or really expected to do that much. Mm. And, you know, and look at us. Like, I think we have the pieces and in, in are playing in a, in a position right now uh, where we can make some noise. I mean, we start guarding somebody. I think <laughs> we can beat anybody in the league. Uh, you talk about that open collaboration. Who's the guy amongst your group? I I imagine it's Jason Kiddie, but maybe it's not. Who's the guy that kind of buys into that the most and, and gives the most into from the playing group from a coaching yeah. perspective? I think, you know, everyone really like pitches in. Everyone says like what they see, you know, yo, I'm getting doubled or um, they're doing an Olay screen here and there's a back pick here. Like, how do you want to guard that? But yeah, Jace is, Jace is like monumental in, in being like the, the eyes on the court. And, and coming back to Dre and saying, look, like, this is open. Like, they're hard. They're hard showing here. Like, it should be one one pass and snap to the poster. You know, he's, he's done a good job of just kind of, call, you know, getting us together and calling things on the fly because 
like you said, with, with so much like talent on the floor offensively, it's easy to just say like, let's just go down one pass and let's make something happen. Let's get a ball screen and try to do something. Right. He really kind of comes in and steady the ship. Like, All right, let's get this moving. This is what they're doing. Let's exploit this and get them in rotations. Yeah. Cause you guys can slip into that mode sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think what game was it? Maybe it was against United. It was one of those games you won in the cup down the mm-hmm. stretch there. Uh, before the loss to the Kings where it was a timeout from Dre and he was saying, keep attacking, let's keep... Yeah. And you, it's not like you guys ended up with shots at the rim to close that game mm-hmm. out, but you guys got two feet in the paint with some mm-hmm. ball movement and then pitches yeah. to the corner and guys knock down shots. Nice shot, yeah. Um, Jason Kiddy, though, he... I, I heard Harry Froling in the post-game press the other night say, talk about how big Jace has been for him. Mm-hmm. Talking to him, keeping his mind right, keeping him focused on the important things. Yeah. And I know that's also going on with Nathan Sobey and, and Jace's influence on him. It, from your short amount of time working with, is he a future coach in this Who? league, do you think? Could he? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. You've been in this league longer than I have. You tell me. Could you see Jason Kadee being a coach? I think so. He's been... I think he could too. Like he has been around the game there. since he was born. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at this level, you know, it rolls, yeah. his family got a long family history in the league. Mm-hmm. And, and Dre talks about him as, like, he's an um, explosive microwave scorer off the bench. Yeah. Which doesn't sit perfectly aligned with, you don't see, the, like, hear those, that with this very often. But Dre talks about him as the most high IQ basketball guy he's ever coached. Yeah. And then to hear this, uh, all these stories about the influence he's having with players during the week, I just feel like maybe he, he might become that kind of guy when his days <coughs> I mean, I think I think I could definitely see it. I don't know if he wants to do it, but I could see it. And I think another like a reason why he's so impactful is because of the respect he can kind of command from everyone, right? Like Jace is a uh, is like one of the nicest guys, like stand up guy, and mm-hmm. you just like respect him, right? Like, and on top of that, he gave up his starting position to come off the bench to help the team. Him and Haji, like, oh, you need like bench scoring or like a bench kind of impact okay like i'll do that like you know you have to that's big for a player to say like all right i'll give that up if Hold that's going to help the team he, he initiated that tanner krebs coming in and, and jace coming to the bench well no I, I don't know if he initiated it but like for you know dre to come up to and say yo i, I want tanner to start right and you're going to come off the bench you know jace mm-hmm. has been established in the league best six for him to come in and say yeah it's all right yeah great like let's do that if that's going to help us win let's do it mm. you know jace hasn't done anything <clears throat> especially in my time here that would ever show me like anything he does is, is anything other than for the, the betterment of the team mm. so when jace tells you something like all right I, i'll do it you guys it seems to me like you guys have a good uh, situation like that in terms of mm-hmm. the, the whole you know dre obviously is careful about the people he brings in yeah. from a personality level to make sure that mm-hmm. they approach the game in that way but do you get that feel like you've got a team full of guys that are willing to make sacrifices and do the right thing by each other. Absolutely. I think, I mean, the last game proves it. I mean, we had two guys, three guys with gastro, three other guys, like this is just sick. And it would have been easy for guys to be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go out and play bad or I don't want to go out and hurt my stats or just look bad or whatever. And we got guys just going out there saying, you know, I respect this group. I'm going to give them what I got. Like, if you need me tonight, like, whether it's two minutes or 30 minutes, like, I'll, I'll play and give you what I got. And, you know, that's, that's all you can ask for with a group of guys. Like, I think the chemistry on this team is one of the best I've played on 
Um, we play for each other. Everyone plays hard, and we all seem to get along pretty well. So, you know, I, I'm happy to be a part of this team. Um, which leads us, I guess, to the to the conversation about Orlando's departure, because in that kind of environment, something like that can be quite difficult. What what was that like for you? One day is there a practice, and you, the yeah. next day is not. I mean, I, I loved Orlando. I think I think Orlando is one of the one of my favorite teammates that I've had. Uh, everyone loved him. Like we all like miss him. You know, Orlando's a right. great dude. Right. Um, but we all know, also know, like it's uh, the business of sports, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, he didn't start off the NBL season super well, but he did other things that like helped us win. Right. And, and, you know, the way we were told is, you know, we had to make a move to give us the best chance at a championship. Um, and if, if that's the case, then, you know, that's the decision you have to, you have to accept, right. Like, you know, like we aren't the, the heads of, of the office, but, you know, we loved Orlando. Like, obviously, it, it hurt the team to see him go, but I wish Orlando nothing but the best. Like, I hope, I still talk, text Orlando now. Like, I hope he gets everything he, you know, is, is working for him more. So, mm. I, I, I wish Orlando Johnson the best. Um, and you guys have got Lamar coming in. He's already there. Yeah. He's with the group, but he's not on the floor just yet. Do you do yeah. you know – do you remember him from back in the States at Atlanta and, and the like? I don't, but I, I watched uh, – you know, I, I did my homework on the Bullets before okay. I got over here. I watched a bunch of their games. He featured um, and, in quite a lot of those clips, I imagine. Nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lamar definitely was a, was a special talent. Um, and you can tell, like, you know, just very talented. <clears throat> Even with um, New Zealand earlier this year, like, definitely flashes of what he could do. Like, mm -hmm. they never totally clicked as a group. Mm -hmm. I think what you could tell, like, you know, like, they, especially in crunch time, they were trying to give him the ball and let him make plays. Um, so I just think, having him as a, like another playmaker just get, makes us more dynamic and it, it allows us to do more stuff offensively. Like as if we weren't <laughs> clicking already, I think, you know, him getting back and like, just, just having the time, like, you know, obviously like this period of time is very important for us, right? So you, you got to handle business now so that when Lamar comes back, it's not like, Oh, now we have to play our best basketball. You know, Lamar should, should, should have the time that he needs to fully acclimate back yep. his rhythm. And then when he's back, like, it's like, all right, now the bullets are scary because yeah. they're already playing so well. And now he's starting to get his rhythm back. Now he's back. And now the bullets are really at full strength. Right, right. Um, you guys are, like you were alluding to before, a, an interesting kind of case because you've got the most efficient offense in the, in the league and the least efficient defense. And I'm sure in the last maybe couple of days of practice since that game against New Zealand, this is what Dre's been talking about and working yeah. on it at practice. What hasn't been there for you guys defensively thus far? Uh, it's hard to, like, it's hard to say, right? Like, because when you, when we're in the NBA Cup and you're looking at games, I just think like some games we're not, we're not either, we're not rebound. It's always one thing, right? We're not rebounding offensive. Like we're not getting defensive rebounds. Mm -hmm. We're giving teams too many second chances or we come out to a really, really hot start and then we either turn the ball over or we put ourselves in bad situations. You know, there are teams are good. Like, you know, you're not going to blow a team out in the first quarter. Right. Like, and I, I think we, and, and especially in the cup, we didn't do a good job of, slowing down runs like the right. team went on a run like they just went on a run and instead of stopping it we just also went on a huge run 
<laughs> and so like you had a game like Sydney where they score 118 and we score 109. Yes. And you're sitting in the locker room like, shit, we didn't play bad. <laughs> we didn't stop them at all. You know what I mean? And, and you're, you're right. just sitting there like, man, like we could be really good. We just gotta like, we gotta like just tighten some things up. Right. And you know, I tell the, you know, tell the team a lot, like the difference between winning and losing is like this much. Like it's like it's not big, right? Like it's a possession here a turnover there, not setting a screen on this play, like, and, you know, you, some people don't get it, like, but if you want to really win and, like, be a, a consummate winner, like, you, everyone has to buy in all the time to, like, doing it every play. Because, like, you can't, I, I don't know, you can't, like, you know, let Catherine Ware go right and walk into a three, right? Like, you can't, you know, you, like, those things happen. You can't finally get a stop, they get a rebound, and then Vondanovich gets a wide open three. And then he ends up making two more because now, now he's hot. Mm -hmm. I mean, like those little things that like that build up into bigger things that you just got to stop and dip in the bud because if you want to win, like offense isn't only going to get it done. You're going to have to string some stops together, really like focus on that part of the, like that part of the, you know, the game. And that's not saying we take away from our identity of scoring and being really lethal offensively, but it's also saying that we need, need to put more emphasis and take more pride on the defensive end. So you're, uh, what are you guys, 16 games in to your, mm -hmm. to your 36 game yep. schedule. Uh, you've had the cups, so you've, you've, you've seen everybody, you've played everybody, but I'm sure you've also watched a whole bunch of the rest yep. of the league. What, we spoke about Illawarra, Dengadale, you were talking about the Kings a little there. What, what, what else is your read on the league? For example, have you encountered somebody along the way who you have, who feel you feel like is underappreciated in this league, you feel like this guy has been, you found him tough. They had a big influence against you, but you hear or see no buzz about them. Hmm. An underrated player. Oh, that's a good question. That's a good one. Um, like for instance, hmm. a, a guy like Craig Moller was big against hmm. you guys. Yep. Didn't doesn't put a whole heap of points on, but came up with some big plays in big moments yeah. to get that win over you guys. Gets very little little love. He does get a little. I mean, I think that's why Loire was so successful early in the year. Like, I mean, Sam Frawling is the same kind of guy. Sam Frawling doesn't do anything to wow you, but does he play his role like extremely, extremely well? Right. It rebounds, hustles, does does the dirty work. Like gets you know loose balls, gets them rebounds. When he get gets the ball, is effective. But yeah, like Craig Moeller, like against us, goes three for three from three, mm -hmm. ton offense rebounds, plays the three so they can be bigger and does well at the three. Like like guys like that who do things that don't appear in the stat sheet, I feel like are, are huge. I also feel another guy that, that's uh, big, and maybe he, he does get uh, some notoriety, but Mooney for Perth. Mm. Like, I mean, obviously they have Bryce who's playing super well and they have Blanchfield and their whole contingency of players, but I mean, Mooney gets 10 rebounds every game and like seven of them are offensive. So I don't, you know, I can't imagine yeah. that helps them in their offense. It's such a good point because if he was on another team, he'd be in the MVP conversation. Right. But it's so easy when it comes up with him to just say, well, you've got to be the MVP of your team first. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not because they've got that yeah. guy. Yeah. I uh, mean, but I, there are a ton of players like that though. But Mooney, I would say Mooney is one. I mean, Jerome Martin has helped the Kings get back to, to playing great basketball, although um, they're also clicking all cylinders right now. Um, somebody else who we've played. 
Um, I think Sunday Deck with the Adelaide 36ers has mm. done an incredible job this season. Mm. No one's talking about him. He's guarding the ball really well. He's shooting the piss out the basketball. And he just does his job. You know, he does, never says anything, just does his job day in and day out and helps, you know, does what he can to help them win. So I got a lot of respect for him, too. I mean, there are a ton of players that, you know, you can go down the line. Is he, a, um, is he a switch guy that holds his own down low? Uh, he is. I would wish they wouldn't double, but he is a guy. <laughs> I mean, Sunday, Sunday plays extremely hard. He's a, a tough cover whenever he's on you. Right. So, I, you know, I, I know if, if Sunday's on me, I, I got to do better than some lackadaisical fadeaway. Right. <laughs> um, what about uh, just to kind of start to finish up the um, – the rest of the league, the teams, right? The Wildcats are rolling right now and they've got a whole bunch of home games coming up. Mm-hmm. It's funny to hear Dre talking the presser for you guys saying, we're sick, we want to play on the road. Like, can we go on, <laughs> we go on the road and, and experience right. some of that? Um, Melbourne struggling with guys out, dropped a few games, no longer sort of clear on, on top of the ladder. What's, what's your feel across the rest of the league? Do you feel like, there's uh, like we always talk about the parity in this competition. I mean, how many, do you see one or two teams that you're keeping your eye on for the pointy end of the season, or do you feel like it's still wide, wide open? Well, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't say the Brisbane Bulls. Of course, <laughs> the team of, keep course my eye on. of course. But no, I think I mean I think it's still wide open. I think obviously you have to show respect to Perth because they're number one. They went in the cup and handled business. Um, and even like last night, you know they come out and Cotton scores 36 and Banks in the three then. And, and all honestly, he knows should have win him. But, you know, they're, they're playing great right now. But um, I think it's wide open. Like, you have a team like Sydney who's 8-8 eight and eight now or 9-8. and eight. Mm-hmm. It's playing great. Like, they're playing great basketball. Um, so, I even think Cairns, like, Cairns gets it together this still early. Like, you know, they could – they are – they have pieces to be very, very good. Mm. So, like, you know, there's no team in the league – and that was what that was a, a big point that Dre told me when I was came in. Like, the NBL is tough because on any night you could be beaten by anybody. Right. Like no team is like just head and shoulders better than everyone. Like everyone plays hard day in and day out. You're gonna be in a dogfight for every game. Right. And that was a challenge that I, I liked. Like, I want to come in and play hard like every night. I don't want a day off type mm. of thing. Mm. And uh, so I, th- I think it's still early. You know, we still got what is it, 16 games left, maybe. Maybe more than that. You've got um, 20. Yeah, I think you've got yeah. about 20. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still early. Like, it's still wide open to see who can who can last the longest. Uh, let's um, put a cap on that conversation just with some comments about Nathan Sobey. Mm-hmm. Because you talk about how well he's playing at an MVP type of level. You've had experience with with in the NBA and at that, at that level. I'm not sure if you know the Nathan Sobey backstory and how he, he got his summer league shot, but he but – he, um, strained his calf in the oh, really? in the pre summer league camp, mm-hmm. and and just what you know he's such an explosive player just wasn't mm-hmm. anywhere near himself hasn't no, been back, hasn't been back ever since had preseason game against Adelaide uh, against Utah against Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell and the like gave him I don't know 28, 29. Mm-hmm. like do, give us your your scout on him at this level but also. You know, is he a kind of guy that you think has the skill set to have to have been playing over there? Yeah, I mean, I think Toby's playing great. I think he's a a great player that has a ton of talent. Um, and I think that the the best thing I like about Nate is that his fiery competitiveness. Like, mm. 
he's always playing super hard. Doesn't matter the offensive load he has to take. Doesn't matter if he has to pick up 94 feet. You're, you can always expect that fiery shit talking, going to try and dunk on whoever's down there, competitive nature. And, like, that's something that I can respect, right? Like, that's – like, anyone who has that mindset is going to have the, the respect for me. Like, if you're going to come out every night, like, ready to play as hard as you can every possession, then, like, you know, you, you've earned the right to, to go out there and shoot. You've earned the right to, to be the, the kind of the leader of it. Mm-hmm. And I think Sobe on any night could give, it could give anyone buckets. Like, I, I don't think uh, there's, there's anyone who's just going to, like, shut him down. Like, obviously, I think in the NBA it would be different just because you've got guards that are like – and, you know, I don't know, is he a one or a two? If he's a two in the NBA, then he has like six, eight twos. Right. That the sole job is to play defense, <laughs> right. chasing after him. But even still, like the NBA's offensive game, so I can only imagine he would still score. Um, I, th- I mean, who knows? I think the sky's the limit for Nate. Mm. You know, whether he wants to go over there or stay here and just build his legacy will be up to him. But this year, for sure, he's playing outstanding. He should be on that Boomer squad. Yeah, damn right. You should be on that boomer squad. I wrote in my letter a complaint. Oh, you did? <laughs> uh, you mentioned 94 feet before. Let's talk 94 and more. Yes, you're, sir. Uh, you are also in the podcasting game. T- tell us about your podcast, how, how it got rolling and where it's at. I am. 94 and more started in the NBA bubble. Um, as glamorous as the bubble was, there were days where it was boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, me and my friend, uh, Jake Finster, who's a co-owner of Bristol Studio, an up-and-coming, not up-and-coming, like a, a bigger clothing brand in Los Angeles. Um, decided, like, let's do a podcast. Like, let's just see where this goes. You know, let's, and at first it was just me and him on, you know, phone calls, just, you know, kind of shooting the shit, mm-hmm. talking about uh, the bubble, basketball, you know, football. Like, we're huge NFL fans. There's a little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, now as kind of we got going, we're starting to get much bigger um, guests. Like, it, it's turning into a thing. We're getting ads. You know, like now it's now it's like, oh, we might be able to do something with this. Nice. Um, so 94 more, uh, 94 feet is the length of a basketball court. Mm-hmm. But we didn't want to just kind of enclose it to just basketball, right? We've had musicians come on, uh, clothing um, designers, uh, the leader of Women's Slam, media department, like, you know, we agents, we want to kind of open it up to how has not just basketball, but sport or whatever field you're in mm-hmm. kind of shaped you as a, as a human being. What connections have you made? Uh, you know, it's kind of like an easygoing conversation. Like we laugh and joke. Um, just telling them, it's kind of conversation. Like you ask them about them, what brought them into their field? Like how, how is life? Like what's next? You know, that kind of thing. What have, what have you got out of it so far? Have you heard anything from any of those guests that's changed the way you've thought about Absolutely, something? Absolutely, man. I, uh, I, uh, I don't know if Jake would be mad at me, but we just had uh, Duncan Robinson on. And uh, hearing his story, you know, it's crazy. Like hearing him go from the middle of nowhere, um, New Hampshire. I want to say New Hampshire. Middle of nowhere and kind of going to prep school going to the D the D three school mm. of Williams college, then getting to, to Michigan and just hearing him kind of say, like, I would have never thought, you know, hearing him say, like, I would have never thought I would have been in this position, you know, before, but just taking every day and kind of being present in each moment and enjoying every step of the way is how I got here. And now that, 
you know, applying it to my life and my career, I'm in Australia, right? Everyone wants to know, Avic, what's next? Like, are you staying in Australia? Is the NBA next? Like, you going to Europe? Like, you know, what's next? And I tell everyone the same thing. Like, I'm not worried about any of that. Like, I just want to enjoy today. Like, I want to enjoy Tuesday. Like, mm. practicing with the guys. Like, I really enjoy hanging out with the Bullets, being a part of the Bullets organization. I, and I've never been to Australia. You know, like, that's from where I'm from. Coming here is like a, a pipe dream. Like, no one would ever think, like, uh, I'm going to go to Australia, right? Like, that's, like, something that I could have only dreamed about. Now that I've had this opportunity, like, I don't want to sit here wasting time thinking, like, oh, in six months, where will I be? No, I just want to enjoy every step of the way, make sure I'm giving my teammates everything I've got on the court, you know, in the locker room, like, just make sure I'm fully immersed in this this moment. Right, which is interesting because from there, life can go in – all kinds of different directions. Absolutely. You know, that that sort of, that resembles for me, like like where Bryce Cotton was at when he first arrived yeah. and he's never left. But it also resembles where Jay Sean Tate was at last yeah. year and he's mm-hmm. gone in a, in a different direction and you yeah. sound like you're just open for however it may play out. Absolutely. I'm At this point, I'm just trying to be where I'm going to be happy and get developed the most as a basketball player and as a man. Love it. I think we might finish it up there. There you go. Right. Appreciate you. Thanks, uh, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having for me your on. Time and good luck uh, in your next few games. Yeah, who we got? We got New Zealand and Illawarra. It should be fun next two. You got the rematch with those breakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good luck. Hope they don't double. Thank you.